What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast. My name is Andrew, and with me today, of course, is Pastor Robbie and Candy Gallaty. How are y'all doing? We're great. How are you? We're great. Okay, Pastor, I have a confession, and live on the podcast seems to be the best spot to tell you about it. Okay. Okay. Um, should I tell you now? Yes. Okay. Okay. With this season, what is this it? is my confession. We are starting Forgotten Jesus Groups. Wow. Have you heard about this? Uh, a little bit. Tell okay. me more. Though. Okay. Tell so now, along with each episode, we're going to have a discussion guide that you and your friends can get together with and talk through more in depth. So pretty excited about that. I like that. I know people are doing some of that already, but this will be more exactly. official. Exactly. Now it's official. Listen, I, what I love is that y'all gave us this idea and now we're implementing it into the podcast. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I love okay, it. so Pastor, where are we going today? We're heading into Matthew. Okay. And uh, we're continuing to make our way through the book of Matthew to see the main theme, the purpose, I think, of the writing of Matthew. Okay. Which is what? Jesus is, is the new Moses. Jesus is the new Moses. There it is. Look at Got it. Got it. Okay, now how do we know that? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 1, and I'll show you a little bit of... Um, what I think the thought process was of Matthew laying out the gospel the way he does. The first thing we see in Matthew, which a lot of us, if we're honest about our Bible reading time, kind of gloss over this first section. Uh, not only this first section, but any time we get to genealogy in any book <laughs> That's ever. exactly right. Yeah. We think, you know, this guy was the father of this guy, or this right. guy beget this guy. Right. And I want to show you over the next few weeks that there are nuggets to mine in this genealogy. We could literally spend months, I'm not making this up, months on this genealogy. Yeah, but then nobody would listen anymore. No, I think they would listen. We're not going to spend months <laughs> anymore. Well, if you think about it, it's just like... Ancestry. Yeah, this is right? the original Ancestry.com. Mm, 23 right. and Me. Which I love. Matthew I'm all about 1, that. Matthew chapter, verse 23. Yeah. Let's see what it says. Matthew 1, 23. 20, uh, no, 23 and Me, notice. See the virgin. No. There you go. Yeah, we'll okay. Keep, okay. Moving yeah. On. Okay, moving on. But <laughs> Matthew is, starts with a genealogy. And you think, why? Why is Matthew starting with a genealogy? Two things. Matthew is placing Jesus in a time period from a lineage, a long lineage that came before him, which is going to affirm two things, okay? okay, two major things. But the second thing he does is this. Like I said earlier, he's establishing Jesus as the new Moses. Why was Moses so important to the Jewish people? Why? Uh, I mean, Old Testament, he was their Messiah. He was their Messiah. In fact, and we talked about this. We talked about this in an earlier episode. Messiahs were not, or the Messiah is not just reserved for yeah, Jesus. Right. It means anointed one. It means savior in a sense. And Moses was a savior. Now, Jesus is the Messiah, Hamashiach, yeah. Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. But Jesus is not the only Messiah-like figure, right, through history. Right. Moses was a Messiah. David was a Messiah. He was an anointed one. Elijah could be an anointed one that did miraculous things. Let me show you why Matthew starts with the genealogy. Can you get your Bible ready? We're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 5, Ooh. verse 1. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Okay. Okay. So I want you just to see, we don't have to read it all, but I want you to see what's happening in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. Okay. okay. Uh, what is Genesis 5, 1 about? Do you want me to read it? Yeah, just read the first, first couple verses. Okay. This is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. When they were created, he blessed them and called them mankind. Okay. Is that Genesis 5-1? Okay, mm -hmm. maybe, yep. maybe I'm on the wrong place. Where's the genealogy? 
it starts, uh, I mean, it starts right starts, in verse 3. Adam okay, was 130. Yeah, that's what I want. Sorry. Genesis 5-3 for the notes section. Okay, Genesis 5-3, what mm-hmm. does it say? Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness according to his image and named him Seth. Okay, now go to Gen- uh, Genesis chapter 10. I think it's verse 1. Let me look at my notes now. Genesis chapter 10, verse 1. Yep. These are the family records of Noah's sons, Shem, Hem, and Japheth. Okay, so then you have two genealogies in chapter 5 and chapter 10. Now go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 10. You're going to see it over and over. These are the family records of Shem. Okay, Shem. 27 through 32. Me? Yeah, Genesis 27? No, Genesis 11, 27 through 32. Watch this. These are the family records of Terah. Okay, so now you have in just in 11 chapters, right. three chapters are filled with genealogy. We don't write that way. If you're going to write a book, right, a Bible, right. a book that's going to chronicle oh, yeah, the nation sure. of Israel and the people of God, within 11 chapters of a book you're going to write, you're establishing genealogy mm-hmm. three times. Okay, why would they do that, Andrew? Why is that so important to them? That's the question. Who's them? The nation of Israel, the people of God. Why is this so important? Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Pastor? <laughs> well, because it proves who they are. Yes. And where they come from. Yes. It's showing a couple of things. Number one, this is a real group of people. Mm-hmm. This is not fictitious okay. characters. Yeah. Adam is not a fictitious character, uh, contrary to secular literature in college today or high schools, whatever, depending on what, which one you go to. Adam and Eve were real people in a real place in a real time, and they had real children that descended all the way through. And basically, you can go fact check this through the history. I mean, they have cross references of different people affirming Jesus talks about some of mm-hmm. these people himself to affirm them, okay? But where I want to get to is Exodus 6. Exodus chapter 6, Candy, verses 14 through 26. And I want to show you the context of Moses because what we're doing is putting Jesus in the life or in the context of Moses, okay? Exodus chapter 6, verse 14. Read that. These are the heads of their father's families. Okay. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Okay. Keep going. Yes, and what this genealogy is going to do is going to establish the descendants of Moses, okay? Up to this point, they're going to establish the descendants of the family of God, okay? The genealogy of Moses. And then the very next thing that happens is what? I think we're about to see. Yes, in Exodus. (laughs) What is the very next thing that happens? God begins to use Moses to bring about the redemption of the people. Right. So it starts with a genealogy. So you have the Ooh, kind of the backstory. You watch good what's, night. Yeah, I watch, see where you're going. watch what's wow. happening here. Yeah. So what's happening is you have the backstory. Then you have Moses coming on the scene, and God says, "Hold on, let's get the genealogy right." Right. It's like it's like an abrupt shift in the story, but for them, the genealogy was important because it's establishing Moses with a history tethered to a people that God promised through Abraham all the way back to Adam in the beginning. Okay, and then after Exodus 6 starts the plagues. And the plagues, although look bad on the outside and they were bad to the people, the plagues are part of the ministry of God Mm. to set the people free from Mm. bondage, okay? Go back to Matthew 1, watch this. Matthew is going to begin with the genealogy, not of Moses, Mm but the genealogy of who? Jesus. Yep. 
Now, what's interesting about, and then the very next thing that happens is that Matthew's going to establish the ministry of Jesus. Now, the ministry of Jesus doesn't start till later as far as what he does, but it's establishing him as this Messiah-like figure. Now, here's the question. Why does Matthew decide to start, read verse 1, Matthew 1.1, why does Matthew start this way, which is fascinating? An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay. Why Abraham? Because you would think Abraham's kind of left field because when you read the book, it's about Mo- he's trying to establish him as Moses, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. Why Abraham? And just to recap, because I'm, I'm missing some, let me t- let me connect the loose ends. What do I mean the ministry of Moses? What you're going to see, and this is going to change if you stay with us, and I promise you it's going to be a long road. I was in the bed this morning early thinking about this. Should I rush the process? Should we get into the Bible quickly? And then I thought, man, no way. we're going to be here. We're going we're gonna to take our time. We're going to journey through this the way Jesus would have journeyed with his disciples. Right. Okay, we're going to take our time. We're going to unpack. We're going to enjoy the scene. We're going to smell the roses. We're going to look at the scenery, right? We're going to enjoy it. We don't want to miss it. But here's the thing. Jesus, and when you understand this, it changes everything. Matthew and in the other gospel writers, but Matthew is going to create scenarios. Jesus, he's going to show us that Jesus, when he does anything, mm-hmm. is like a director of a film or a movie that puts all the pieces in place to reenact or recreate a scene mm. so that the people, it's like stepping into this scene where the people have familiarity with the sounds and the sights and the actions, and they remember or call back to the Old Testament all the time. That's all Jesus does, okay? For example, Jesus is going to be baptized. His first first thing happens before Jesus begins his ministry to the people. Mm. Jesus is going to go under the water and come out to begin Mm. his ministry. Isn't it fascinating? that the very first thing the nation has to do right. when they leave uh, Egypt, think about this, they could have just left left Egypt right. and just gone, God's already punished the people with plagues. They're not right. following them, they're done. And yet you have them pursuing them. And Moses is like, what is going on here? God's like, no, you're gonna have to go, in a sense, mm-hmm. under the Red Sea. Right. Now they walked on water, but you can understand the water's on both I mean, sides. When you say walked on water, walked on dry ground. Dry ground. Correct. But it would have been similar in right, a sense to course. quote walking, yes. te- not not I know literally, but yeah, technically yeah. walking on water. But mm-hmm. in a sense, they go under the water because right. the water's standing up oh, on yeah. both sides. And then they come through the water and then the water collapses on their enemy. Isn't it interesting? Jesus' first act. Their first act of of redemption is through water. Mm -hmm. The second thing is Jesus is going to be tempted in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. in in, in a desert. Very similar to Adam being tempted in the garden back in the day. And Adam, what Adam couldn't do, God, Jesus is able to do. But he's also being tempted like Moses in Mm -hmm. the wilderness. And what Moses failed. 40 days versus 40 years. 40 days, 40 years. Yeah. Moses is on the mountain with God, right. receiving the word of God, 40 days. Yeah. Jesus is in the wilderness with God on the side of a mountain, 40 days. Yeah. He comes down. Then we're going to see miracle after miracle. Moses has manna from heaven right. that God sends down to feed the people. Jesus is going to create manna from earth with breaking the bread and mm-hmm. distributing it to the people. 
Right. Yeah. And they even say, if you go back to John, the people say, is this not the prophet? Right. That God talk, talked about in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. eighteen fifteen. So th they knew these connections. So okay. for them, it's not hindsight's twenty twenty. They're watching this unfold in real time, making these connections real quick. Yes, yeah. It, it would be like it would be like um, taking you to camp this summer. Okay, okay, let's say we're going to camp the, or, or the summer. You say you're going to camp, and and you're going to camp, and you go back to camp, and the camp theme is the exact theme you went to your first year of camp. Oh yeah. And they've got the guest speaker dressed up just like the speaker <laughs> from camp, whoever that was that yeah. year. And then you have all these themes and cost and and it and you're like, wow, whoa, I'm yeah, this deja vu. Some, yeah, this yeah. I, I was here before. Right now, here's the challenge for us New Testament Christians. The problem for us is we read these accounts, which you're gonna you're gonna never read your Bible the same again in a good way. But we read these accounts and we gloss over them mm -hmm. every time. I do too, for years. Right. Why? Because we don't know the history. We don't know the history, but we don't know the what? The word. The word. The, 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 the well, answer. Well, we don't know the Old Testament word. Yes. A lot. Well, I would say we don't know both words, but. Well, I mean, but, but, but yeah. a lot of people, if they don't know the word at all, they're going to go to the New Testament because they find it easier maybe to understand. They don't understand the yes. history, the context, right. the culture of the Old Testament. But once you do, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it gives you such an appreciation for the New Testament. And maybe nothing's wrong with that, right? Nothing's wrong with starting there and sure. then growing and getting deeper. Like one thing, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but one illustration you've given us before is understanding the word and the context that we're talking about it is kind of the difference in snorkeling and scuba diving. Yeah, You know, snorkeling, you get one experience. It's beautiful. You're seeing all these things. But once you understand the culture and the context, it's like going deeper and all of a sudden you see it close up in real time and you, you see the texture to the, you know, the sponges and all this stuff. Yeah. The clownfish you, you haven't seen before, you yeah. know. It was the same body of water. Mm -hmm. You're just looking at a different perspective. Exactly. I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example Marty Solomon uses in his book, Asking Better Questions, which is a great book. And Marty's the um, leader of the Bama Discipleship with Brent Billings, uh, good friends of ours. Um, Marty uses this example of uh, playing a piano. Right. And Marty says, let's say you're going to learn uh, a Beethoven piece, okay? But you're only going to play it with the left hand, which yeah. would basically be the the, the chords, mm -hmm. okay? So let's say you go for one, you, you learn this. Would you start with the left hand or the right? Well, the right hand, if I'm not mistaken. Because Rick's taking piano lessons right okay. now. And I feel like he's been doing his right hand and they were about to start with the left. Yeah. Well, the right, if I'm not mistaken, is actually the um, melody and actually the, the the main part of the song, where the left hand is more of the chords. Is that is that accurate? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I only took yeah. piano a little bit. I mean, bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> Rick, Rick's, Rick's giving, giving us thumb. the thumbs up. Yeah. Rick's, yeah. Here in the, Rick's here in the, in the piano studio expert. today. Yeah, piano expert. But the reality is, so so basically, the, the part you know of a song is the right hand. Okay. The the chords are just the, like the background right. mm -hmm. is the left hand. Okay. okay? So let's say you start playing piano and you start playing the chords with your left hand and you only learn your entire life how to play with the left hand. Now, if I say, hey, I want you to listen to the song, you could come and after a while you could say, oh, that's Ode to Joy or whatever. You know, yeah. that's that's Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or whatever. But but the left hand gives a picture of the song, but you don't get the fullness of the song. You don't get the... Um, 
You don't get the variations of a song. You don't get the deep meaning of a song until you have both the right and right. the left hand playing simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And when you add both hands playing, you get the full picture of the song. Watch this. Most of us read the Bible with our left hand. Right. New Testament. And granted, after a while, you can see like, okay, mm -hmm. I see the hand of God. No pun intended. I mm -hmm. see the work of God. But when you start looking with, quote, two hands, while we right. say a, a Hebraic way of thinking is on two, two hands, hands yeah. one hand and the other hand, which is why I think why you never see any Jewish Hebraic Messianic Jews arguing over Calvinism yeah. or Arminianism. Did because, God choose you or did you choose God? Yeah, yeah. Did you choose? I mean, you never yes. said this is why I've, people always say, well, what are you, pastor? And I say, I'm a biblicist. Because when I get to some passages, it looks like God's sovereign and I have no say in the matter. But right. then I get to the other passages where it says, no, you come to me, all who are weary and heavy mm -hmm. laden, I'll give you rest. And so my answer is, it's a both and. Right. And I'm okay. You ready right. for this? And for those listening who are dogmatic on either side, uh, I would say, first of all, with all due respect, stop thinking like a Westerner. And so, no. <laughs> I've done it for you, but but seriously, but, ser but serious, but but I would say no. Honestly, I would start thinking with two hands, right? A, not a both and, but a both hand. Yeah, on well, one and hand, this, and on and in in the Bible's. Oh, here's the I point. See what you did there. That yeah, was good. It's a both hand, right? <laughs> the Bible is okay with the apparent tension in right. the text, and so I should be as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: we're never going to understand and know all things. Because we're not God, yeah, right? Mm. And until we're there with him one day and we can ask questions and have these conversations, we shouldn't ever think we're going to arrive at all knowledge, yeah. right? And understand everything. And I'm okay not understanding things, you know, yeah. or pursuing and searching and obviously trying to become closer to the Lord in that, but we're not going to know all things yeah. because we're not him, Yeah. Why y'all looking you're right. like that? No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, I no. just forgot where we left off. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, let me put one thing on. Let me, I know exactly where we are, but let me just okay. add one more thing. I'm like, what's think going about on? Your son, like, think about your son, Asher. Okay. 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 What is greater? The difference in the knowledge gap between, in ministry, let's say. Right. Between Asher and dad, Andrew, mm -hmm. or between Andrew and God. Oh, the bigger difference. What is, is the Andrew bigger gap in the knowledge understanding? Oh, sure, me and God. You and God, infinitely, yeah. infinitely greater. In fact, okay. my kids teach me things all the time. Like, oh, your perspective on this. I need that perspective. Yeah, but just sure. think about that. We think right. of little kids, and we think, man, the gap between what they know and what mm -hmm. I know is enormous. They'll never, you know, get right. And let's say, well, think of the gap between you and God. Right. It is infinitely, infinitely greater, greater. Mm -hmm. and we're okay Good. with that oh, because yeah. if you if you knew, I always say. If you knew everything about God, he wouldn't be a God you'd want to worship anyway. Exactly. Because you'd understand every. I mean, the fact that he's God is we don't know. And there's mm -hmm. a mystery there. Yeah. And I'm okay with mystery. By the way, we could do a whole podcast on how we've lost mystery. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We want to. Bonus we episode. Bonus episode. Okay. Bonus Let's get back to where okay, we were. Wait. Okay. I do have a question. Though. Okay. Here we okay. Go. So thinking about Jesus and Moses and, okay. and all that. So when Jesus turns the water into wine. Okay. Like, is there any connection in the Old Testament with like the water from the rock and that sort of thing? I see. She's is that totally. That's off? season four, right? <laughs> but that's good. That is good. You got we'll us get to there season four, maybe season five. Who knows the rate yeah. we're going to be continued. But I will say, you can go for those interested in studying. It's no accident that John begins his book 
the very first miracle of seven, which we'll get to the number seven, hopefully next episode, the importance of the number seven. Uh, but John, by the way, I had lunch with Rabbi Sobel, okay. uh, Jason Sobel. You've heard J- yeah. Jason, he, oh, wrote, yeah. he wrote books with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, and he listens to the podcast. He, Does he? We need yeah. to have him on the podcast. Well, no, I, no, I asked him. He said this he'd This is your it. official invitation. It. No, he's got a new book coming out called um, Something About the Mysteries and the Miracles of the okay. Messiah. Let's do it. In the fall. So it's going to be, I said, we're on. But anyway, I asked him, I said, you're always talking about gematria and numbers and mm-hmm. meaning. I said, tell me, is that how the nation always thought? I mean, this is a guy trained in the Hebraic schools. Right. He, st- he said that's exactly how they thought. They always thought that way. They thought numbers were deeper than just numerical value. They had meaning. That's mm-hmm. the way they thought, okay? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, think about this. The very first miracle of the seven, which is the number of wholeness or completion, in John's gospel is Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. When we teach on that, that, that would... I mean, that's my, you could spend a month on, but there's so many connections there. Okay. But let me give you one to chew on and and we'll move on. Isn't it interesting that the first miracle that Jesus begins his ministry, and this is the first recorded miracle ever, is turning water into wine, Mm -hmm. which is basically turning water clear into blood red. Yep. Clear to red. Yep. Go back to Moses. The very first plague right. that Moses is going to do, which we thought, why is this plague turning water into blood? Right. It's the very same miracle. So Moses starts right out the gate, shot across the bow. God's real and right. God has authority. Jesus' very first miracle is turning water into wine, which is yeah. white to red, to show the connection that he, I believe, is the new Moses, wow. and he's going to walk through these miracles. Ooh. Okay, so that, but that's another episode. Okay, back to the genealogy. Why, though, if it's all about Moses, right? why does he give a genealogy from Abraham? That's the conundrum. That is a great question. What do you why? think, Andy? Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Why from Abraham, not Moses? I mean, Abraham David was and Abraham, the. But mainly Abraham. Why Dave, Why Abraham? Well, he was like a patriarch. He was the patri- He was the patriarch, right? Actually, and, and 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 just as equally important, the Jewish people would say Abraham is our father, father right. our father Abraham, right? Avraham, right. father Abraham. So, yeah. Abraham would Abraham be a picture of God, and Moses is a picture of Jesus? Um, or no, father Abraham. No, I think no. I don't think so. I think what he's doing something, maybe, but I think he's doing something different, okay? okay? You would expect him to say, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of Adam, the son of Moses. He doesn't go there. He says, Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, if you remember, was someone who is going to offer up, in a sense, as a father, his son, Isaac, mm-hmm. mm. which wow. was the ultimate test yep. of Abraham. Okay, Which is not a picture of God? Could be. Yeah, you're right. Maybe you're right. (laughs) No, because here's the thing. You have to realize years ago when I read that, okay, about Abraham and, you know, going to sacrifice Isaac, the only way I could wrap my mind around this was that it was a picture of something else. Mm. Right? Mm. It is. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely a picture. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about Abraham and Isaac. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... It, that is so hard to understand yeah. as a father and a son. But when you look at it as this is a picture 
of what will come yeah. and what will happen. The only thing is, is that hey, you gave me a great idea. We're going to detour in the next episode. Ooh, and I'm going to tell you imagine why. that. Yeah. But I tell you, it's going to be a good detour. And I'll tell you yeah. why we're going to finish this in a moment, but I'm going to tell you this. I think next episode we should, and this is not the forgotten Jesus, but it is because when you understand Genesis 22 from a Hebraic perspective, okay, it makes Jesus dying on the cross come to life yeah. in a way you've never seen it before. Yeah. We'll do that in a moment. We'll do that next episode. But let me finish it. Here's why I think. Abraham, if you remember, was who God made a covenant with for two things. Do you remember? A covenant for two things. Uh, the, the land. The land and what else? Um, people. like The, the people. Actually, it's three things. The land, the people, and the seed of the Messiah mm-hmm. will come through you. So there's actually three things. Land, people, seed of the Messiah will come through you. The lineage of the Messiah will come through you. Abraham is a picture of a man who was obedient through the test. Now, Abraham didn't always pass the test. And here's what I want to show you. I wrote this in The Forgotten Jesus, uh, page 48, if you you have the book. But this is the reference here. Did you know that Abraham actually, see, I always used to think, Mm. God calls Abraham, go to the mountain, sacrifice your son, and offer him up. And we think, wow, think of the faith of this man. He was so obedient to do so. And I could never do that. And obviously, you may not be able to. But you got to understand, this was the last test. This was the final final exam in Abraham's life in a series of tests leading up to this test, which was the 10th test of his life. Mm. Did you know this? I did not know this. There were nine tests leading up to the test, the final exam. Will you offer up your son in obedience, the one and only son that I gave you because I asked you to? Yeah. And nine tests before that. Now, you got to understand, he didn't always pass the test, which is very encouraging for us. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't always pass the test. For sure. But every test gives you an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord right. and a greater dependence upon God. A building of a trust. For yeah. Sure. Here's a line I like to use. The greatest opportunity lives where the greatest discomfort lies in your life. Wow. The greatest opportunity lives... Where the greatest right. discomfort lies. Now, we don't ever want to willingly endure discomfort. Who yeah, wants to do sure. that? But if you think back to your life, some of the spiritual markers yeah, of your right. life Everyone will be, the memories of your life will be in right. the hardest times. Yeah. Yes. It's, you know, child getting a broken arm or yeah. us getting stranded in an airport with the kids. And you look at it, you say, you'll yeah, never yeah. forget this. Okay. Let me give you the, t- the nine tests. And then next week, we'll pick up the 10th one. And explain it in depth. The first test he gives to Abraham was the call to leave his family, his country, and his home. Ur. And he does. Ur. Yeah. And by the way, I think the greatest miracle there was the fact that he convinced his wife to go <laughs> with him on a trip to right. nowhere. Right. You know, I can't get candy to go eat at yeah, dinner. Yeah. Where are we going to dinner? Yeah, I don't listen, know. If I just stand up unannounced and he's like, where are you going? Where are, you going? <laughs> where are we going? No, no, yeah. I'll tell where you, are we going? I'll tell you how he got her. Is because we spend so much of our mental effort in so many things. At some point, it's just like, I can't even put more mental effort into this right now. And so if I was Sarah, I would have probably been like, dude, whatever, just go. And I'm I'm coming. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I got no effort I to argue. I have no mental capacity yeah. to Pack put the house into up. this right now. Jenny, we're, we're, we're selling the home and moving. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, we are. We are. Actually, <laughs> we are. Andrew we is are. actually, actually doing what we're moving doing. Moving to a farm. We okay. have no plan. No we're just pl- moving. Just moving. You are Abraham. I'm Father Abraham. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's me. your first test. All right, here's the next eight that's coming your way. Okay, like, great. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, the second test was famine in Canaan. 
The okay. third one was the abduction of Sarah. He failed that one. Remember, yeah. he lies about it. Uh, the four, the, yeah, the, uh, four is the war with the four kings that he engages in. Mm-hmm. Number five is the long wait for a son, and he messes up and sleeps with Hagar. Yeah. So then now he messes that up. Number six, the command to circumcise himself. Obeys seven. The abduction of Sarah by Abimelech. He messes that one up. The eight is the exile of Hagar after she gave birth. He messes that one up. Number nine. He exiles Ishmael, his son. He messes that one up. Mm-hmm. And yet he gets to ten. Wow. And the tenth one is: Will you sacrifice the one and only son I gave you in obedience? And he obeys, wow. and God steps in. So next yeah. week, here's what we're going to do: We're going to unpack what that was like and why that is a foreshadowing of Jesus from start to finish. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Candy. And thank you uh, for tuning in with us. If you have any questions, don't forget to contact us on Instagram. That's the best way to get a hold of us at The Forgotten Jesus. And of course, if this episode impacted you, share it with a friend, leave a review. That helps us reach more people. Uh, So Pastor Candy, thank you all so much. And we will see you on the next episode. 